This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and joining me this evening is Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, Senior Bowl practices are underway. Shrine game is in the books. The pre-draft season is 100% in the swing of things. Paul, I mean, this is those that time of year when you finally get a chance to peruse your kind of preseason rankings. I, I actually shared my rankings the other day for the preseason, and you know, my top ten um, may look dramatically different given the season, uh, given the outcome, the players that announce that they will be going to the actual NFL, others that won't be going into the draft. So I'm intrigued to see how things are going to kind of settle in as we begin to look towards the draft, look towards tier busters, and really kind of begin to kind of settle in on what this class is. And of course, the first stop in that entire process is typically the Senior Bowl, but the coverage this year is making it quite difficult to really get a hands-on as to what's going on the same way we have in years past. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll talk Senior Bowl momentarily, but the Shrine game did take place uh, this past Saturday. We did preview it last. I figured at least the, the first handful of minutes here, I did want to just mention a few names that I thought stood out uh, from the Shrine game and just overall the vibes from everything, all the reports and you know some of the videos by Emery Hunt and other people that were put out there. I thought the big winners at the, the offensive skill position side, and we'll just keep it to that, was I thought James Morgan, the quarterback out of FIU, he's probably definitely on the fast track to be a draftable day three prospect at the quarterback position with his size his arm talent his ability to make every nfl throw uh you know he's more of a traditional pocket passer but he does some have have some athleticism and mobility to move around i thought he was the big winner from the quarterback position from the running back position especially in the game james robinson out of illinois state at 5'9 220 really impressive he showed better athleticism short uh short area bursts and quickness he broke a big long run in that game which was one of the things that people had some question marks so I think he showed that he at least has above average long speed to make some things happen in terms of his long speed ability. Uh, Reggie Corbin, we saw a little bit of him. He was a guy that we were very high on in the summer. Uh, I thought he was another guy who, uh, you know, showed a little bit off there in terms of what I read about the shrine practices. Uh, so it was nice to see him get some run down there. And then really, uh, you know, those were probably the offensive guys that I think. And then Benjamin Victor out of Ohio State, he made a really nice catch in the game where you saw his ability to go up and make a play on the ball, showing his length, showing his ability to win contested catches. Uh, I thought that was impressive. Ohio State is just a factory at sometimes turning out wide receivers. And if you if you were to believe the early reports and the limited video that we've seen so far of the Senior Bowl, there's another guy doing it down there in Mobile as well. So, so Matt, those were a couple names. I don't know if you had a chance to really dig into the Shrine Bowl game yet, but anything from the, the Shrine Bowl week in terms of maybe what you saw? I know you were checking out Emory Hunt's videos or from the game itself. Yeah, no, I, I spent a lot of time kind of breaking down uh, Emory Hunt's game film uh, from the practices that week. And, you know, guys that really stood out in the practices that that didn't really show as well in the game, but I still think still have, um, you know, 
uh, kind of a, a meet and greet that's going to happen at the NFL level. And I think that's, you know, Tavian Feaster, for example, uh, from South Carolina, the Clemson transfer. I think he's very interesting. Um, I think he's a very, very agile running back. I don't think he's the most agile in the class, but I think, again, I think he's one of those solid players. I think he has a lot of versatility across a range of different types of problems and situations. I think he's going to give a team a really nice backup or depth option at the position. Another one is obviously Benny LeMay. Um, Benny LeMay is a player that um, I was new to and I had to dig in more into his film. And I think the biggest things that I come away with him is on interior runs. His interior runs are pretty solid. I think he shows a good combination of cutting three acceleration strategies in tight spaces. I think he's a guy that can lower his shoulder. He has good contact fidelity when needed. And I think he's an interesting player to keep tabs on. So that was an interesting player Um, from the wide receiver positions. That's the position I love the most, obviously, Paul, and that's the play. (laughs) That's the area that I love to watch. And that's the, those are the things I love to watch. I think Benjamin Victor, for sure. Um, I think, you know, he showed some interesting competency across a range of kind of one-on-one problems. And, you know, I think he looked really good. I I do think um, that um, Hightower looked good as well. Um, I think he looked very interesting um, as well. I think other players that really stood out to me, Juwan Johnson, I thought stood out in all those tapes. I think he looked very interesting. I know there's this idea that he's going to potentially be, you know, a move tight end and I could see that transition occurring, but I'm not, I'm not totally, I'm not totally sure that that necessarily needs to happen. I don't see the limitations in his overall skill set so much that I don't think he has his own solution bank, so to speak, for particular problems. He's a guy that's going to win mostly, yes, with size and strength, but I don't want to oversimplify the way he wins to saying that's how he wins. He doesn't. He understands how to inf- he understands how to infuse size and strength into the way he uses his agility in order to create space at the top of the routes. So, I mean, when you talk about framing a passing window, part of his skill set is that size and physical strength, but I don't think that tells the entirety of how he sees the field. I still think he sees the field in terms of creating space throughout his vertical stem, using upper and lower body feints to com- to, to throw off DBs and to attack kind of that weak side or that blind side of the hip of the of the DB and I think there's more to him than that but but I do think it was an intriguing group of players I think across the board I was really interested in seeing what was going on with a lot of these guys and I got to tell you I mean like you said I think James Robinson from Illinois State was a huge huge player in that game for sure LeMay stood out to me for sure um and in terms of the pass catchers, you know, I, I think, I, I really do think that, you know, Benjamin Victor was a big winner for sure. Hightower, I think overall for the whole week was a big winner for sure. And after that, I think it's going to be interesting to see where these guys go and, and who gets calls. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Benny LeMay. I think another guy who, while he didn't do as much in the game uh, from watching some of the the film that was out there, Rico Dowdle out of South Carolina was another guy. Pretty interesting, similar build to Benny LeMay, a little bit taller, uh, but I think he could be in that mix. And then a couple smaller uh, running backs, Levante Bellamy and Adrian Killens Jr. out of UCF in Western Michigan. Those are going to be your change of pace, uh, get him the ball in space, get him out on the perimeter. They're probably late round or UD priority free agents, those guys, but they could be playmakers if they're asked to play a role in an offense. So I think that's often what you get in this game is some late round UDFA type prospects that you should have on your radar deep into your the NFL draft, maybe deep on your mind in dynasty leagues. And that's usually what you end up seeing here uh, from the Shrine game. So, and then every once in a while, a, a guy emerges and maybe really makes it big. 
you know, not to not to interrupt you, but I know we'll move on past this. But I think the Adrian Killens was another guy I had mentioned as well uh, in that tweet that I put out to summarize the the um, the uh, various practices that I saw, and I just see him being an absolute utility wagon, so to speak, for a team. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, I've heard some comps like Tariq Cohen and stuff like that. Just that that guy that you can do a lot in terms of uniqueness as an offensive weapon. So if we turn this to the senior ball, and yes, Ben and I have, have got a record of saying there should be more coverage. Have a live stream on the website. Well, apparently the push for more somehow has translated into even less where the senior bowl practices are not being aired on NFL network. They are not being showed. They are, they are doing drop-ins on, you know, on some of their programming and then they feel the need to put on old football games instead of the practices. I know ESPN, I had recorded it today. Uh, ES, we're recording this on Wednesday, late evening, uh, late afternoon, early evening, uh, Wednesday, ESPN, you had some coverage and same thing tomorrow on Thursday. So we'll check them out. Uh, there's been some people doing a really great job putting up some videos, but the amount of what we've had access to and what people who aren't in mobiles have, have had access to is very minimal. So we're going to preview, uh, what we think about the players in general, mostly in terms of what our film takes were and things we're looking for. I'll make note of if I come across a guy who the early reports have been super positive on from the people who are down there and the people who I trust, the Fran Duffy's of the world, the Dame Brugler's of the world, the Tony Pauline's of the world, and, and you know, Emery Hunt and so many other great people who are down there covering it. If the reports have been glowingly positive from, from multiple sources, I, I'll make note of it. But hopefully by next week after the game and maybe the whole week goes by, Matt and I will have some more takes on terms of what we actually maybe saw in some one-on-ones and and in terms of, you know, some film that we had access to, the ESPN coverage and some other things that are put out there on Twitter. And we'll have some more takes in terms of the actual week. So this is really just more setting the stage, things that we're excited for in terms of who are down there. Give you a little snapshot if you're really just turning your attention to the NFL draft process. Maybe you haven't been with us as we've talked about a lot of these guys throughout the year. Just to give you a little snapshot on who these people are uh, and, and where they win. Matt, any, any thoughts just to get started on the frustration of the coverage not being on as I as I start uh, getting, bringing up my sheet here to uh, run through the positions? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the frustration, I think you really did a nice job just kind of like succinctly mentioning it. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I'm really a little bit um, caught without words. I mean, maybe there's a reason. I just can't imagine. I mean, we, you and I kind of talked about it this morning. We went through like a number of kind of ideas over the last couple of days as to why this could be true. And maybe we're forgetting something. Maybe, maybe we're, we're not, you know, seeing the entire, you know, kind of complexity of the situation that it is to record these things. But I, I, I don't see a reason why one of the landmark all-star games, something that your league NFL network, even though the NFL network is a separate entity, I know that it's separate from the NFL, but associated, obviously. I can't imagine why covering the, the, the most coveted all-star game. And all of the fanfare. I mean, Paul, there's coaches down there. There are general managers down there taking in the spectacle that is the All-Star game, that is the Senior Bowl. So you're talking about Mobile being kind of ground zero for the NFL as a whole. And I just can't imagine why coverage of that event does not take precedent over replaying playoff games or replaying older games 
or anything else for that matter. We said we said earlier today completely would be understood if it was the if it was the Super Bowl. If it was the Super Bowl that was coming up, the marquee game, the flagship game of the actual brand coming up, completely understand, completely avoiding, you know, the Senior Bowl. But they kind of plan around it so that way people can go to the Senior Bowl. So I'm I'm trying to figure out just where and why there wasn't round the clock coverage to at nauseum about this. Now, please, please don't misunderstand me. There's been a lot of coverage over the years that hasn't been necessary. I don't think I really need to see all the color commentary that goes with every single story of every single background of every single situation going on in the field. I want to just see the players just take their reps and go through the practice. And that's what I think was there. And I think when they had guys like Daniel Jeremiah doing it and they had guys like Bucky Brooks commenting, I thought those were fantastic moments where they just kind of provided voiceover work. They had the time to share about what they were looking for in these drills, what things made sense to them and what didn't. Even when they had Steve Smith, there was a time when Steve Smith was commenting on you know, the wide receiver DB drills and things that he was looking for. Again, his time in the league gives his eyes a different perspective and just listening to that was was really interesting and allowed for a lot more depth of understanding so i I just don't know why they kind of abandoned what i thought was a really nice product for the end of the year yeah it's weird i mean in a time where there's more coverage of everything to pull back seems really bizarre but here it air so if we turn our attention to the players that are performing down there, I'm going to start the quarterback position. I'm going to rattle off the, the, the six prospects that are down there. Joe Burrow decided after winning the national championship to bypass the event. So it's only six quarterbacks down there. You have Shea Patterson out of Michigan. Matt and I have talked about him a lot over the years. Obviously very good athleticism, can move around in the pocket, play a little bit off structure, off script, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's got a quick release. He's got the arm talent to make every throw, but it's always battled inconsistency in terms of accuracy decision making his production has been up and down and the early reports from you know from what i've read about his first two practices have not been pretty that he's been very scattershot with his accuracy uh and has not looked good in the first two practices anthony gordon out of washington state obviously coming from that mike leach offense quick release uh you know average athleticism and mobility pretty accurate in the short to intermediate parts of the field, but I have some concerns about his overall footwork and how that impacts him when he uh, goes to drive the ball vertically down the field. The early reports are he has struggled as well down there. Uh, Jordan Love, obviously one of the big name prospects down there. The reports have been glowing so far. Obviously great to borderline elite arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He can throw on the move, playoff structure. There's been those Mahomes comps from the summer that, that have kind of hovered over over him, even though this year he kind of struggled with some inconsistency, some accuracy, some decision making. But this is an opportunity. I think he's going to leave the senior bowl as a top 10 to top 15 pick, in my opinion. Steven Montez, the quarterback out of Colorado, obviously he's got the prototype size and frame for a quarterback. He's got the arm talent. He shows flashes of, of, of greatness almost, but it's very inconsistent. He struggles with accuracy. He's got the good athleticism for a size, but going through progressions, decision-making are issues for him. Jalen Hurts, obviously, big name down there. Early reports so far in the first practice yesterday was not positive on him. 
struggled with ball placement accuracy. I don't think that's a surprise. That's still an area of development for him. But we know he's got the arm talent to push the ball down the field. We know he's got the athleticism, the mobility. He's got the, you know, he can move around in the pocket. You know, we got to see if he can put it all together in terms of more the quarterback things that people want to see. But, I mean, his development in just one year at Oklahoma was staggering to go from almost a UDFA to probably a day two prospect. And then the headliner, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. The reports have been glowing. Uh, 6'6", you know, check all the boxes for size he's got athleticism he can move around the pocket he's got the arm talent people are a little bit interested to see his leadership ability the early reports are that he has kind of been more of a vocal leader taking on a leadership role down there that's the thing that kind of hovered over him he bowed some inconsistency this year and some people got down on herbert but i still think the nfl is going to be big fans of him i don't think he gets out of the top five the top seven picks in my opinion so there are the quarterbacks matt anything that you're looking for if you do get some eyes on the film from this week well, no, no. I mean, I mean, to your point, though, I have all those, uh, I have all those shows, those post shows, and uh, everything that ESPN's doing earmark. So hopefully, I'll get a chance to watch some of my favorites. But I'm not surprised to hear about Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. I, I'm not. I, that doesn't really shock me at all. I'm a little surprised that there isn't more intrigue surrounding um, uh, Jalen Hurts in terms of what he's doing on and off structure and what he's doing on the run, and and maybe to that degree, you know, those are things that are all game experience. I mean, I think it's very hard from the types of situations that I've seen from the quarterbacks and the practices that I can recall them running. And again, every team is different. Um, it's a, it's a little hard. It's a little hard to get a feel for what these guys are going to be like. Again, these are very, very These are very, very, um, you know, uh, non-representative types of exposures that we're getting. So Jordan Love to me still sits with me as a player that I think we're only beginning to kind of unlock what his potential truly is. Um, I do think there's a vast amount of development that's needed there. I don't think it's a finished product, but it's glad I'm glad to see that he's showing in the ways that we saw in film, Paul. Again, it's not about what he doesn't do or specifically the moments that are amazing, but universally his behavior on the field as a problem solver at the position. He has the versatility and the capacity to solve a variety of problems, a range of problems across the entire spectrum of the position. And I think that alone makes him a commodity to be coveted, especially at the highest level of mastery, which is the NFL, where the problems are more complex and even more varied as one snap continues to the next and so on and so forth. Yeah, and, and I love that you brought it up about what he can do and stuff like that. You know, Joe Judge, the newest head coach of the football Giants, you know, he had a great line. I think it was one of his opening pressers or interviews that he did. And he said, I my philosophy is don't tell me what a player can't do. Tell me what he can do and how we're going to maximize that to take advantage of that skill set. And that, I think, is so much more of what I'm trying to focus on in just generalities in terms of the big picture and this pre-draft season. Yeah, at times we'll talk about some limitations that players have. But tell me what a player can do, how he can win on the field, how he can solve problems on the field, and then let's figure out for the coach's responsibility how to make use of those skills that he has and those are ways he can solve problems and win and his strengths and stuff like that. And I think it was a fascinating quote and something I'm going to try to cater a little bit more of what I talk about in the pre-draft months here when we're really analyzing these players. So, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and I, no. don't, I don't know, and I don't mean to, to belabor this point, but I think that's why it's very important that, you know, we really tried, you and I, to make that kind of qualitative switch in terms of the paradigm that we use. We tried to really look this year, not as much as isolating everything as traits, but providing instead context 
for those traits and starting to look at the the bigger part or the bigger problems that they're able to solve and just say, hey, you know what? There are going to be areas that they're still developing and there are going to be areas where it's hard to call it a weakness because a weakness isn't in isolation necessarily one facet of their game or the next. Sometimes it could mean a particular physical quality that they're struggling with, or it could be scheme that is just presenting a hurdle to experiencing those situations, or it could be your teammates themselves. I mean, for example, you're not going to see Henry Ruggs fight through press when Jerry Judy is right next to him. It's just not really happening. And a lot of that has to do with the overall complexity of those problems. So it's hard to chalk up things as a weakness. As a weakness, I think we're being a little bit oversimplified and we should be looking at a bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take this at a running back position. I'm going to start with Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. This is the guy I watched in the summer. I was kind of impressed with him back then, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, a lot of buzz about him. But the early reports down at the Senior Bowl are that he has maybe been the most impressive running back down there. This guy's got good size. He he's like in his like mid, he's like two fifteen to two twenty in that range, but he moves like a much faster guy. He's got good athleticism. He's got some wiggle. He's got some agility in the open field. He can play in all three downs because he's a good receiver out of the backfield so kelly's a guy who i think his stock is up and i'm intrigued to watch some more of his film from this year but i think he might be a guy that on film just doesn't uh show as much because of ucla's overall struggles that this might be a perfect opportunity to him to kind of start raising his stock jamichael hasty out of baylor an undersized guy but a good frame this guy's got good athleticism he's a change of pace type guy he's got good bursts and acceleration you want to get him out in the open field and in the perimeter uh and be a part of the, uh, the receiving game as well well, Darius Anderson out of TCU, another guy, good to great athleticism, shows great burst and acceleration, long speed, got lateral quickness to get to the perimeter. Again, another guy, use him in space, uh, can be a playmaker, change of pace, you know, guy, third down type player in, the, in terms of Darius Anderson. Keyshawn Vaughn. a guy who going into the year was talked about a lot. Early reports down there at the Senior Bowl have been about average or uh, nothing really standing out about Keyshawn Vaughn, but he's got good athleticism on film, good burst acceleration and quickness. He's got good contact fidelity, good vision and patience. Uh, I think I was hoping to see more in the receiving game this year. We just didn't really see it. LaMichael Pirine out of Florida. He's got better athleticism than I think you people think of in terms of a guy who's almost 220 pounds. Uh, He's got some short area bursts and quickness to his game. His contact fidelity is great. His power, physicality, toughness. And this year, he really worked and improved his receiving game, which I think makes him a little bit more valuable in terms of NFL eyes. Eno Benjamin, maybe the biggest surprise in terms of the measurables. I preseason, he was checked in at 210 pounds and you thought he played like that. He weighed in at 195 pounds, which really doesn't mesh with what he is. He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He wins with his play strength, his ability to absorb contact, you know, break tackles. So to come in at 195 was very surprising. Uh, Going into the season, he was easily the most highly regarded of this running back group. But it was interesting to see him come in in that weight. And I'm interested to kind of see what the reports are the rest of this week and hopefully then how he looks in the game to still see if he's got that contact fidelity, the ability to absorb contact and pick up additional yards. Because I thought that was one of his calling cards. That's why, you know, in the preseason, I comped him to a Kareem Hunt style runner. So very intriguing to see about the 195 in terms of the weight. And the guy we haven't talked about once on the whole show this year, Matt, is Antonio Gibson at a Memphis, an offensive weapon who's part receiver, part returner, part running back. He's he's there with the running backs 
Uh, this is a guy who's got good size and frame. We're talking like 6'2", 220. So he's not really a running back frame, but he's listed as a running back because he could do a little bit of everything. Good athlete, good in space, you know, good movement skills, can impact in terms of the receiving game as well. So he's a guy who I don't know a lot about. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to learn more about him, watch some film on him. Maybe a guy get in the scouting notebook uh, down the line a little bit because if he's at the senior bowl, there must be some intrigue surrounding him. Anything from this running back group, Matt, that you want to hit on? Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot to unpack there. I think Antonio Gibson, I'm right there next to you, with watching film, trying to learn more about him as this process kind of unfolds. Um, I do think Joshua Kelly um, is very interesting. I think he's a player that caught my eye this year as well. I mean, especially watching you know games against uh, you know Washington State and things like that. You know, there's there's a mixture of things that he's capable of doing. I mean, between the tackles, I think he shows that ability to kind of mitigate contact and fight through when necessary. In the open field, he has a competency to at least catch the ball on on routes that are typical of a running back, you know, swing routes and things of that nature. Um, I, I do think, you know, when you, you look at Keyshawn Vaughn, I, that's the one I'm not surprised about about hearing buzz about. You know, coming into this year, I thought he was one of the more complete you know, overall running backs in the country. I mean, in terms of what he could do, in terms of how could he could affect, you know, the the, the game in various ways. Um, I thought he was a great runner, interior, outside. I thought he go- showed great sensitivity in the open field. He had a great awareness of a lot of different multiple pieces of information from where the sideline was to the trajectory of the pursuing defender to the type of contact that he may ensue. Um, you know, he showed the capacity to really balance a lot of variables in his mind and adapt his body and adapt his movement to getting, you know, what was needed on that particular play, whether it was a touchdown, first down, or just positive yardage. I mean, he was a guy that showed the ability to do it under a variety of circumstances. I'm shocked we're not hearing kind of more about him. But that's but that's the point, Paul, about all this, right? Learning, learning more because what these guys aren't doing is they're not going up on good against good, you know, at their level on every game. I mean, there's going to be games where, you know, UCLA is not playing a team that has players that are their equal caliber. So what type of thing goes back to what I talk about all the time? And Paul, we've mentioned this a lot on the show. It's not about the number of exposures. Okay, you're not talking about the stability of the movement solution itself across a variety of problems. You want the stability of the movement solution across as many NFL-like problems as you can find. So we don't just want to see a player have a stable solution for interior runs when they're playing against their you know, kindergartners. That doesn't tell us anything because those, those players aren't going to disturb him enough that it's going to affect the solution that you see on the field. You want to see him compete and have a stable solution to interior run game problems across a range of NFL-like problems to the best of our ability. And that's where some of these drills, even though I know they're a far cry from a representative sample, but even some of these drills just give us maybe a glimpse when they're doing run game downs and general runs and even the game itself, you know, just a little bit, just a glimpse of good on good, an NFL on NFL caliber player what are they doing? And I and I wonder if we really had the technology and the exposures, Paul, to really isolate that. I would love to just see if that mantra or paradigm holds up over the course of history. 
if we really looked at the most NFL representative problems we could find, do those movement solutions that we see hold up and transfer to the next level? Because I think there's more than we think there. And that's where I'm interested to see some of these players and see how they emerge. Yeah, absolutely. I think studying their movement and and how they just move around the field and solve those problems, I think is so important. I think it's so critical in trying to evaluate these guys because we understand that statistics and college stuff it's it's all very meaningless without context without uh, without trying to analyze the problems they're solving are they solving problems that are going to face at the nfl level or they putting up stats against inferior opponents and it's never going to be that easy at the nfl level and i think that's why going to that deeper level is so important so let's take this to the wide receiver position and i'll break these down into two separate groups because there's so many guys so i don't want to rattle off like 12 13 names and then have you backtrack so we'll do like in groups here uh, first off, two names that aren't there that were supposed to be there. Brandon Ayuk uh, failed the physical, so he won't be performing. But the buzz from Jim Nagy is that most teams have higher grade on Brandon Ayuk than Nikhil Harry from last year. And we know Nikhil Harry was a late first-round pick. That doesn't mean Brandon Ayuk's going to go higher than him, you know, because it's a deeper draft class. But I thought that was an interesting little nugget from uh, the media uh, availability early in the week down there. Obviously, he's a, an explosive player. Uh, he's been comp to a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. We talked about him a lot uh, when we, we did our film studies podcast a couple weeks ago, so we don't have to get deep into him. And, and Braylon Edwards, who I was really excited to be down there, didn't even know i don't even still to this moment know the exact reason of why he's not down there but he was on the original roster no longer on the roster not exactly sure what happened there so those are two guys unfortunately that aren't there uh if we go to guys who are there one of the talks so far of senior bowl week is james Proch out of smu i got a chance to watch some film on him uh late last night and early this morning uh after i heard all the buds down there and and he he impressed me above average athleticism probably could add a little bit to his frame he's an inside slot player i think that's who he's going to be at the next level but he's got great hands he's a really good route runner you see the separation quickness his movement skills his footwork to get in and out of breaks his releases are good his body control is very impressive his ball skills uh so impressed with what I saw on him and the reports down there seem to be glowing that he's having a good early portion of that week of the week. Michael Pittman Jr. We, we know a lot about him. Ideal size and frame. This is a guy who prototypes as a guy who can win at the catch point. He's physical. He's tough. He creates space at the top of his routes, but he's got, he's a very good athlete. And he, he laughed at, at, at the interview that said people who think I'm going to run a four, six are going to be very surprised. I, there are some reports that he's going to run mid four fours and, and that's impressive for a guy six four two twenty. Uh, but he's got some movement skills to him. So he's had a good early showing there. Denzel Mims has been the talk. One of the two players who maybe generated the most buzz at the wide receiver position in what I've read so far about the reports down there, his size, his frame, his athleticism shows the ability to win vertically down the field. He's got better long speed than I think people thought he had his body control adjusting the passes. The other big name with Denzel Mims has been KJ Hill. From there's been a lot of videos of KJ Hill put out on Twitter in the in the first two days of the Senior Bowl, and people can't cover him. His separation quickness, his ability to get in and out of his breaks, his footwork, really impressive. Showing the ability to get vertical, he's, he's an inside slot player, but he is showing a lot of juice, a lot of explosiveness and athleticism. Antonio Gandy Golden from the small school Liberty, I think he's showing who he is. He's a guy who's got average to above average athleticism. There's some separation quickness concerns, some refinement in his route running, but he wins at the catch point. With that length, the ability to go up and get it, physicality, great blocker. That's who Antonio Gandy Golden is. Chase Claypool, and a guy I know you're a big fan of. 
great size and frame. He's got good athleticism for and movement skills for a man his size. Wins at the catch point, the length, uh, really impressive. And then Courtney Davis, I know a guy we've talked a lot about, uh, good size and frame. Reports so far on him have been positive. He's got the athleticism. He's got the separation quickness play strength built like a Debo Samuel type player. Uh, I think he's got to expand his route tree a little bit, uh, but nonetheless, a good route runner with really good separation quickness in the, in the short area makes people miss uses his physicality and toughness to his advantage as well. So Matt, any thoughts, a lot of big names that I know you have, you know, have had a lot of thoughts on over the year. We've talked a lot about these guys, Pittman and Mims, KJ Hill, Claypool, anything that when when you get a chance to watch some film, and I know you've been able to watch some of the videos that have been put up there, uh, anything on these guys early on? Well, I mean, James Proch to start off is a player that I've only really just gotten kind of acquainted with. And from the limited film that I've seen from him, definitely like you described him, very intriguing. A lot of areas for him to be um, very interesting to see about him. So I'm interested to see what he looks like on the film, you know, at the senior bowl, but then also to continue to get into his film a little bit more you know, uh, from uh, this past year, uh, a guy that I'm really excited that people are talking a lot about is Denzel Mims. I mean, you know, he was a player that we had fairly high. Um, he was a player that we had, I think I had him ranked somewhere, either somewhere like 11 through 13 or something in the preseason. So he was a player that I really did like. And I think you're seeing some of these things come to fruition. I mean, we, you know, in the summer, we were talking about his strengths being his balance, his flexibility, his explosive strength, his change of direction speed, his body control, his motor coordination uh, to transition from wide receiver to a running to a runner back from his wide receiver to a to a ball carrier after the catch as well as things that he was very functional in. I think people kind of knocked him on what his acceleration and agility were, and yet they're seeing it being a strength of his ability now. Also, his route deception. There was questions as to whether or not he had you know, the nuances across his range of routes that he can run, and he's definitely a guy who has good route deception. It's definitely improved over the course of several years, and he is pretty solid across the board when it comes to high-speed change of direction routes. So I'm interested to see how all this kind of meshes together, but to hear that he's doing well... I think is a testament to what we saw this year, his his kind of um his kind of announcement to the to kind of the nation that he is, you know, a top flight prospect at the position. And I'm excited to see how this transitions to the next level. Um Michael Pittman is a player that I I really do like. Uh, he's a player that I'm really excited about at the next level. I think he's very smooth. I think he's very, very deceptive in and out of his breaks. I think he's a player who I know there were some concerns about some drops here and there for him, um, but I do think he's got great hands and he's got good body control. So I don't think that there's anything to necessarily be concerned about, you know, with with Pittman moving forward. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, and I think his testing numbers are going to be outstanding. So, Paul, you know, I mean, KJ Hill is getting all the buzz. It seems like every other video is about KJ Hill, and I know we were we were talking about him this summer and. We, we, we very much acknowledge that we believe that he was a starting slot receiver and that's where he could live. And you were adamant as well that, you know, he would rise this year. Is there something that you're, you're, that you feel is really coming to the forefront that maybe wasn't appreciated earlier? Yeah. I, I think sometimes it just comes down to is people sometimes get really enamored with the statistics and he didn't have these gaudy statistics, you know, of, of other wide receivers, especially some of the underclassmen. He, you know, he hasn't done it for years, like some other wide receivers. And I think people just undersold his athleticism and his movement skills. And if you watched him in the summer, you saw a guy who moved very smooth and very fluid and, and, 
and was able to get in and out of his breaks very fast. And I just don't think people understood what kind of athlete he was combined with refinement in his route running and quick feet, good footwork, whatever you want to talk, and, and technique. And I think people just kind of thought, he, you know, he was an athlete. He went to Ohio State. They recruit the best athletes usually. And I don't think people understood just how nuanced he was in some components of his of his game as well. And now your people are seeing him put it all together and just how much he's the separation that he's that he's just creating i think is has been his calling card and i don't think people really dug into him because he hasn't been a name that's building for years like other prospects that i think a lot uh garnered a lot of attention in the preseason yeah no i mean and to add to that i mean this is what we kind of wrote about him in our scouting notebook we felt that he was best suited to an option route passing game from the slot position where he could combine his balance, flexibility, explosive strength, acceleration, change of direction speed, and his capacity to recognize coverage distributions to win at the catch point in both tight and open spaces while displaying the functionality to gain yards after the catch. Basically, this guy can beat you in the short area of the field, he can win under tough circumstances, and he can get yards for you after the catch. And he's a guy that has an understanding, not just an understanding of how to route run. In other words, not just a, not just moving skill in terms of change of direction speed, not just some thing that he can do. He can't just change direction blindly. He knows when and how to do it. He has a good feel for coverage and knows when to make those cuts at speed throughout his stem. So he's a very sensitive route runner. And you know what? Testament to Brian Hartline and what he's doing over there at Ohio State as the wide receiver coach. This is now Brian Hartline's, this would what be Brian Hartline's second meteoric rise of a player, so to speak, if we include Terry McLaurin. You know, it, it begins to make you wonder, whoever Brian Hartline's slot receiver is, or outside receiver is at Ohio State, you got to imagine Brian Hartline's putting together, you know, player after player. And you know what? They play like Brian Hartline did. You know, yeah. when you really think about Brian Hartline, he was a detailed route runner. I mean, he was really good. And and you could see that fingerprint. His fingerprints are all over these guys coming out now. Yeah, and I mean, now he's generating buzz as a top 100 pick, but I kind of thought that's where he might be in the summer. I kind of thought he was a late two yes, to early day three guy. So I thought he was on that round three, round four bubble. And I mean, this class is ridiculous. I mean, guys like Denzel Mims and, and, and Chase Claypool and KJ Hill, like they might legitimately be in like people's like 11 to 15 wide receivers. And that's not a knock on these guys. That's just how insanely deep this class is. There's going to be great wide receivers available on day three because it's not like 18 to 20 wide receivers are going in the top 100 picks it's just not going to happen it's a numbers game so it, it's going to be staggering and i mean that's just the first half of the, the senior bowl roster some of the guys from the second half quickly collage lipscomb out of vanderbilt struggled the first report uh first practice of the week there were some reports that he struggled but he's got above average to good athleticism and movement skills i think he's got good separation quickness route running vanderbilt had a really down year and all their players seem to be suffering uh in in terms of evaluation because their, their tape this year just wasn't as impressive but i think he's got good play strength physicality in his routes uh probably a, a big a big slot type guy an inside slot guy maybe could play a little flanker colin johnson uh really 
small hands for a guy with a massive wingspan, catch radius. Uh, reports from the first day of practice were very impressive. I know Brad Kelly does a lot of uh, work studying wide receivers, was impressed in Colin Johnson, his footwork, his movement skills. I know that was something that you harped on in the summer as well, that this guy moves well for a guy his size. He's got pretty good route running. I still had some concerns about, you know, if he had refinement to do in his route running and his separation quickness at the next level, he had a little bit of a down year this year. Uh, Devin Duvernay obviously was the start of Texas pass game. Colin Johnson bowed some injuries, but he might use this week Colin Johnson as a way to catapult himself back into attention to maybe be a top 100 guy or early day three guy. Jaywan Jennings out of Tennessee. He is built like an Anquan Bolden, a Juju Smith. That's, that's how he's going to play big, physical play strength. I think he's going to be a big slot, but he could also, you know, he's, he's a good blocker. I think he's got some refinement to do in his overall game, but I'm impressed with him. He's had some off the field issues that might hurt his overall stock a little bit, but the physicality and play strength during the routes, top of the routes is really impressive in Jaywan Jennings. He's a riser in my opinion, just in general in the film I've watched on him recently, not so much in the early going of senior bowl. Van Jefferson has been, was a talk one of the talks of, of the first day of senior bowl about his route running. I watched him and I thought I, I went into this saying this guy's got really good route running skills, his separation quickness, his moving movement in and out of breaks and his releases was all really impressive. A little bit of a thinner frame, got to show that he can handle that. But I think as a slot guy, probably where he's going to live, but really smooth. Anything I've seen on him so far from senior bowl videos has been impressive. I'm hoping to see some one-on-ones, uh, you know, on the practices that were aired on ESPN today, uh, because I do want to see more about him, but he's a guy who's been impressive. Devin DuVernay, I just mentioned, out of Texas. Undersized, but good frame. Another guy built like Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel looks like a running back out there. He's got good athleticism, former track background, so you're expecting to run fast. He shows that acceleration and burst, but I like his play strength. I like his physicality and toughness in the routes, after the routes. Uh, he becomes a running back as soon as he gets the ball in his hands. He's an offensive weapon, could be a top 100 pick. Uh, and then Tyree Cleveland was just added real late, I think, to replace Brandon Ayuk. Uh, this is a guy we're talking about for years. Not really, Never really put it together in terms of production, but there's a reason why – uh, Jim Aggie must have brought him there. Uh, there must be some people who are intrigued by him. He's got the measurables, 6'2", 206. He's got the good size and frame. He can play the outside flanker position or the slot. Former big, big-time recruit, I believe, started in Houston. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Good athleticism, separation, quickness, a returner, guy who can make things happen after the catch, but has just never been able to put it together for any type of consistent production. Matt, any thoughts on, on that little group there between Lipscomb and Colin Johnson, Jaywan Jennings, Van, Jeff, uh, Van Jefferson, Duvernay, Cleveland, that kind of rounded out this ridiculously talented and deep class of wide receivers in Mobile? Well, I mean, let's start with Colin Johnson. I'm actually really excited to see Colin Johnson turning some heads and, and making some people kind of rethink what their perception of him. And I do use the word perception because I do think on some level, we have to extrapolate a little bit from what we see on film to what we think they're going to be. There's a little prognostication there, but I'm glad that, you know, people are exploring him a little bit more um, closely because, you know, from the summer, we saw a lot of that route deception. We saw a lot of good um, ability and body control and acceleration on deep routes. I mean, yes, in terms of handling the press, in terms of his mid-stem collisions and handling collisions throughout his vertical stem, that was always something that was a little bit challenging to him. He could get knocked off or rerouted a little bit, and that was something that we wanted to see and how that developed. 
Um, but in terms of his actual route deception, in terms of his ability to understand and be aware of what was going on in front of him in terms of the coverage of the DB and the coverage of the rest of the offense, defense, you know, he was always very, very aware of that. And he showed a multi you know, a multitude of head feints and a multitude of fakes. And he showed the capacity to understand how to attack DBs at varying levels of complexity and variability. So, you know, I mean, from the summer, you know, we saw him on a vertical or option route based passing team. And we saw him as a guy, you know, who was a complimentary or depth player at the flanker position. So I think this is a guy who's going to start out at probably the number four spot on a depth chart, maybe the number five spot. But I see him working his way up to potentially being a number two or number three, a guy who could start. Um, I, I, I'm intrigued as all get out by Colin Johnson as a very viable player. Again, I think he is right now what we think T Higgins is right now, but I think T Higgins ceiling is much higher. And that's, that's what I think. I think if you get Colin Johnson, now you're going to get a very evolved version of T Higgins. But if you get T Higgins, you could be getting a guy that is well better, well above that. So, I mean, I think they're very similar stylistically in terms of who they are. And, Paul, in terms of the other players that you mentioned, Van Jefferson is a guy that, you know, we talked about him over the course of several years here on the show, but we mentioned him always intermittently as a guy that flashed, as a guy that flashed, as a guy that flashed. Very much in the same way Darius Slayton was a guy that flashed, was a guy that flashed. And you know what? (laughs) Where there's sparks, there's fire. And to see him get this opportunity and put it all together is a testament to the idea that, you know, there are a lot of talented receivers across various positions in, in college football. And this is just another opportunity to see them do what they do best. And I do think that Van Jefferson, you know, is a player like Paul, like you described. I think he's a very intuitive, a very smart route runner. And I do think he has a great, great, great catch radius. Everything. He could catch everything. And he transitions seamlessly after the catch to becoming a player who's a threat in the open field. And I think that's a really huge testament to the type of game that he brings. I do think he lives in the slot. Devin DuVernay, we've talked about him before. I love Devin DuVernay. I think Devin DuVernay exists in the same world um, as Courtney Davis, as DJ Moore, as Debo Samuel. I think you're talking about all very similar players. And I do think that those guys are what the modern NFL teams want. They want Percy Harvard again, Paul. They want yep. Percy Harvard again. You know, you watch Percy Harvin. If you get a moment, anybody out there to go watch Percy Harvin, you tell me Percy Harvin isn't like the number one wide receiver in this dra- this year's draft, last year's draft, so on and so forth. Because I do think that that Percy Harvin is absolutely the definition of the modern spread receiver. That's what they want. They want the guy who can beat you on end routes, who end rounds, and the guy who can win in the short, intermediate, and deep areas of the field. And very few players can do all of that. And Percy Harvin is the guy I think we're all secretly searching for. Percy Harvin played in about played about five to ten years too early. Like he right now, Percy Harvin's skill set would be maximized to the fullest. I don't think it was ever truly maximized nope. to the fullest at the time that he played. He battled some injuries too, you know, some issues, but 
the game is different now than when Percy Harvin came into the league, you know, and, and, and now Percy Harvin's skill set, I think would have been maximized and utilized by just about any team that he went to. And then some teams in particular really would have maximized it right now. I mean, he, he, listen, he, he's had a, he had a good career. He went really high in the draft, but I think he maybe played in slightly the wrong era, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe, like I said, five to eight years too early. And if he played a little bit more in today's game, his skill set would have been fully maximized. So let's round this out a little rapid fire here with the tight end position. Not a lot, but a couple names of intrigue Uh, starting it out with uh, Adam Trapman out of Dayton. He's been the talk of the tight end group so far, his size, his frame, his athleticism, his movement skills, his physicality and toughness, his ability to win in contested catches, attack the seam, get vertical, make plays after the catch. He's getting a lot of top 75 buds. And in this draft class, that might be make him one of the top tight ends selected in this class. He might be in the, probably in the top three to top five mix for sure at the tight end position. Uh, Sean McKean out of Michigan. He's got good size frame, but he's, he's average to above average athleticism, more of a blocker. But even that, he's probably about average in terms of his blocking techniques. He has some length, can you know, maybe be a check down option after a block. Uh, that's him, Bryson Hopkins out of Tennessee, out of Purdue. Uh, this is a tight end that is all world type athleticism. Uh, words are he's going to jump 40 in the vert jump. He's going to blow up the combine. You see that athleticism and, and movement skills and speed. Uh, when you watch Bryson Hopkins, he's in my top five. I'm, I was intrigued by him before the season started this year. He lived up to that. I'm excited to watch some more recent film on him, and hopefully he shines there down at the Senior Bowl as well. Stephen Sullivan, really interesting out of LSU. He's a former wide receiver who's now listed as a wide receiver tight end down there, but uh, that's what LSU had him as. The Senior Bowl has him strictly at tight end. He doesn't have a lot of receiving production. I think 20 catches last year, 12 this year, but this guy's got size. He's got athleticism for a guy 6'5", 240. He's got length. He's got catch radius. He can go up and win contested catches. Uh, You know, we talked about before, uh, you know, uh, Jawan Johnson and converting to a big tight end. Well, that's what Steven Sullivan's kind of done. And he's got the athleticism and the ball skills to see. It's going to be interesting to see if he could make the conversion and be a factor in the in the passing game. Uh, so he's a guy I'm watching closely. Jared Pinckney, he was in everybody's top five, top seven tight end before the year started. Reports are he looks slow. He looks unathletic. Uh, kind of jives with this year. If you, if you watch any film on him, he just looked like a totally different player. And it kind of goes back to what I said before about Vanderbilt. And they just had a down year and, and all their prospects seem to suffer a little bit. Be interesting to see if Pinckney can generate any momentum in, in the rest of the pre-draft process. But this was a guy that people were very high on. He, he had the size. He had great frame. He only had average athleticism, but he used his body well to his advantage. You know, he had the the play strength. He could be a guy who can line up in line, detached. Uh, but but he's got some uh, basically uh, fixing his draft stock to see if he can be that guy that people were thought was going to be a, a top one hundred pick for sure. Now I think he's clearly somewhere on day three, uh, and and be interesting to see how fall how far he falls. Uh, Josiah Degore at a, at a Cincinnati, he's average size and frame, pretty 
guy gives his all pretty good receiver doesn't have the prototypical size to hold the point of attack but he's more of an inline or slightly detached guy he's a guy who again i think this year he had 39 catches for 504 yards and seven touchdowns probably a number three type tight end late round draft pick and then i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this and a small school guy i think it's charlie uh tampa puno out of portland state six three two forty eight he's got good size and frame so far, the reports are he's not been as athletic as I think some people thought he w- would be. Uh, but I saw a little bit in terms of a highlight reel on him. I thought he had average to above average athleticism and movement skills, more of a pass catching guy. This would be a big week for him. Some people might think he could convert to fullback or H-back. But this is a big setting for a guy coming from Portland State. Uh, so far, it's it's kind of been nondescript. Haven't really heard much about him and how he's looked in practices. But that's something I'll be keeping a close eye on. Matt, any thoughts on the tight end position to round it up? Well, yeah. I mean, I had a chance to watch some Bryson Hopkins, and I had a chance to watch some Troutman. And uh, the kid from Dayton, I think, is fantastic. I think he really does represent what the modern move tight end is and what they're looking for in terms of being a tight end at the receiver position. I do think that his physical tools are what are intriguing everybody. I don't think it's very easy for a player um, to find a player with that type of you know, physical size and movement skills on the field. But my, my only concern is, is that, you know, there's a variety of situations that you see in a game, whether it be blocking or receiving, where there are moments where you can see that he's still developing. There's still a lot in his toolbox that needs development. And maybe teams are saying, you know, we're going to maximize what you can do. Maybe there is that, that kind of theory of rational coaching happening here and saying, Hey, listen, we're going to maximize what you can do, which is you can attack the seam of a defense. You're going to make every, you know, safety in this league, at least stay honest because you have the speed to get to the second level in the time that we can build reads off of. And we'll be able to get you the football and we'll keep everybody honest. And that alone is going to give you viability immediately out of the box for us you know, after the draft. But I mean, I still think he's a player that you still have to be patient with. There's still time for him to develop both as an inline blocker as well as a route runner. There are moments he gets derailed or thrown off by by smaller, more undersized cornerbacks, which tells me that he wasn't prepared or aware for that that collision that was going to occur. And on the, on the flip side of that, I think Bryson Hopkins is a player who has versatility, can solve a variety of problems, and I think he is more ready right now um, than, than Troutman is. Yeah, and this is going to be a fascinating tight end class because it doesn't have the clear-cut Noah Fant, you know, uh, Hawkinson that's going to be there. It's Trotman, it's Bryson Hopkins, it's Colby Parkinson, it's Cole Komet, it's Hunter Bryant. It's going to be pick your poison. Do you want the more refined route runner but probably get no blocking from? Okay, Hunter Bryant. Do you want Colby Parkinson that's oozing with upside and potential but has to grow into that body and frame to develop into an all-around tight end? Cole Komet probably is the the most well-balanced tight end of anybody in this class. And then you got these guys at the senior bowl, Bryson Hopkins. That athleticism is going to intrigue teams you got Trotman coming from a lower level of competition there so I think those are the guys probably in the mix you know those guys and maybe and oh and then I totally forgot one and I'm glad I just looked at my list uh I don't know how I missed that arguably the top tight end in attendance down there or pushing Trotman for it is Harrison Bryan out of Florida yeah, Atlantic I was just gonna say that yeah the reports on him and he's right in the mix there in the top six overall tight ends Harrison Bryant you know he's 
the reports early on is that he's been almost uncoverable in, in some of the drills. I haven't had a chance to firsthand see that, but if you believe the people that are down there, he's maybe pushed himself in the top 100 consideration, really good pass catching tight end, good athleticism, separation, quickness, uh, He's a guy who's going to probably line up detached. He'll he'll give his all in terms of blocking like an Evan Ingram type, but I don't think that's going to be his calling card. This guy's going to be a pass-catching guy, mostly detached, in motion, uh, or to slot at the next level. Uh, but he's a guy really intrigued by him, and he's right in that mix. So you, you take these guys from the Senior Bowl, you sprinkle in the Cole Komet, the Colby Parkinson, and the Hunter Bryant. I think you probably got the top six or so tight ends that are going to get drafted in this draft. The order in which these guys go off the board, I think, is a complete unknown because it's really going to be unique to what each individual team wants, how much upside are they looking for, how refined right now are they looking for. So I think they could be all over the map on day two. I don't think anybody goes round one. I think all of these guys are in play for day two, and I'm sure six of them won't go on day two. One or two may even get pushed down to day three. Yeah, I I think Harrison Bryan, I mean, the, the, the film that I had a chance to watch on him, I think that... You know, he's a player that adds such a layer of movement skill overall, uh, both as a route runner, but also as after the catch. I think he's a player that's really intriguing. So I'm excited to see what opportunities there are for him down there at the Senior Bowl. Like you said, the reports have been glowing about him, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing what that actually looks like. I know his film is really impressive. Listen, for my, for me, if I had to pick, you know, a player that I think is somebody that can work in the NFL right now, I'm hard pressed to go after guys like Cole Komet and, uh, Hunter Bryant. Those are guys that I see immediate versatility and roles within. I see where they can fit. I see where they can develop. Those are guys that I would be hanging a hat on, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are the guys that the teams are going to choose. Like you said, I think this is going to be a mixed bag of tricks. If you combine everybody together, I do think that you're talking about the, probably the top five or six guys that are going to go off the board. And I do think they're going to go off early because of such a limited pool. So I do think somebody's going to invest early. They, they can't wait that long. If you need a tight end, there's only a few in here that we think could be immediate contributors. So I, I think a team's going to probably invest early on a player that they really want. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. And and those are the six that I talked about. We didn't even bring up Albert O from Missouri, who went oh, into this yes. year as one of the top guys. Didn't really have the, the stellar year I think many people expected. Looked very different on the field this year. And then Thaddeus Moss, just just declared from LSU, will be following him closely. He could be a guy who easily pushes his way into the top eight tight end mix for sure. And is a guy who could be on that round three, round four border as well. So there it is, a discussion on arguably every single player from the offensive skill side uh, a little quick snapshot again if you haven't been following hopefully that kind of sets the stage for the senior bowl sets the stage for the pre-draft process if you just getting familiar with a lot of these uh seniors last week the shrine game we went through it same thing position by position guy by guy at the offensive side of the ball and now at the senior bowl so hopefully you have a really good feel for at least who these guys are to maybe start doing your own some of your own analysis analysis and own research and we at least you know kind of wet your appetite a little bit and just gave a little bit description of how they win some of their calling cards and things that we're intrigued by and then obviously we have to add all the underclassmen in as well just some housekeeping stuff next week we'll recap the senior bowl uh maybe get a guest on maybe do two episodes i'm not really sure about that just yet but then after that we start our tier busters and we got to go through tier busters uh, we'll, we'll probably do a running back show, a wide receiver show. Maybe we kind of put the quarterbacks and tight ends together because then we also have a combine preview before the combine. So that's kind of the setup for Saturday to Sunday here. You know, guys, if you're, if you're a fan of the show, 
please get over to the website, ssfootball.com. Uh, Check out our premium notebooks for $9.99. You get access to all four notebooks. You get the scouting notebook, you, which has player profiles of probably over 100 guys at this point. We've still got a, a lot more to add. If you already have purchased a notebook, you'll see a bunch of guys that says coming soon. They will all be up within the next week or two. Uh, so, so, so bear with us on that. We're watching more film on some of these guys that kind of came out of nowhere or – our uh, declarations that maybe we weren't hundred uh, percent positive. They were going to declare. Uh, we will break that up into draft guys and we'll leave the draft eligible in a separate tier of guys who didn't declare. You get the rankings notebook, which will have our draft rankings, our draft, uh, our Devi rankings, our dynasty rookie rankings, our tiers. And then late March to mid April, you get the freshman notebook, which will have thoughts on many of the incoming freshmen. And then also you get the draft projections notebook, which will have, Tabs for every position, offense and defense. Uh, some small notes on over 400 players, uh, their their combine measurements, and projections on how we expect them to get picked based on everything that I am hearing. I'll have a tab for my top projected 32, my top 100, and then make my best guess on projecting every single pick in the NFL draft. So, guys, hopefully you are enjoying this coverage. Check out some of the Senior Bowl coverage if you get an opportunity. Watch the game. It's a great way to familiarize yourself with so many of these players and really kick off the pre-draft process here that now extends for a couple months. But it is the best time of the year. Hopefully you stay with Saturday to Sunday as we will bring you wall-to-wall coverage on all things the NFL Draft. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.